I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome on into the Cougar Tracks podcast. I am your BYU insider, Mitch Harper, for KSLSports.com. It's your favorite Cougar Tracks episode of the week, the edition with BYU football captain and star defensive end, Tyler Batty. This week, we'll take a quick look back at the loss at Kansas and get set for the Friday night catfight between the Cougars and Bearcats. Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Mitch. Happy to be back. It's good to be back. I know tough circumstances last week. How do you? How are you and the team doing after that setback to Kansas? Uh, good, honestly. Um, it's a. Uh, it's been a really good week of practice. The team, I would say, responded really well uh, to to the loss. Honestly, you never want to lose, um, so that sucked. But uh, the guys have the guys have responded really well. Is after a loss, is there a greater focus maybe on the details and? Making sure you're dialed in after a setback. Oh yeah, always, 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 always. It's uh, it's funny, and I think, I think sometimes people get really freaked out, and they're like, "Oh no," you know, and they try to almost do too much. At some point, you got to just kind of stay the course, and yeah, lock in and, and focus up on things. But you can't over respond. I would say to a loss that that can get you in just as much trouble um, as, anyways. Yeah, just can get you over responding to a loss and get you in as as mu- just as much trouble as maybe not responding to a loss. I'm glad you say that too because I feel like I've had to and other people kind of remind Cougar fans that it, it, it is a conference season now. It's one loss. There's still a lot to play for. I know it doesn't feel good to ever have a loss, but it's got to be a, kind of a saving grace a little bit knowing that one setback doesn't set. The in the season, like last year, that was kind of the elephant in the room was lost to Oregon. Well, ESPN's going to send us to some bowl game. Let's hope it's a one that we enjoy the bowl <laughs> destination. But that's what it is. Whereas now, it's there, there's still a lot in front of you with only one loss. There's a ton, and I think that's that's been a big point of emphasis for us. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing for Cougar fans to remember is. We're in a conference now, and conference play can get messy, not just for us. It's going to get messy for everyone in the conference. That's how it goes, especially our conference. How tough was it to contain Jalen Daniels of Kansas last week? 
I'm just kind of curious because he's dubbed the preseason Big 12 Offense Player of the Year. Do you think he, you know, just at, yeah. from being on the field with against him, how challenging was it to stop him? Uh, it was it was it was tough. He made he made some he made some key plays for sure with his legs, and um, he's smart, he's quick, right? He can run, he can throw, and and we saw we saw a lot of that against him. And so it was it was uh, tricky trying to yeah keep him contained, and um, he he scrambled yeah for a couple times for for some yards, um, some first downs and whatnot. So. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was tricky, and that's definitely something we could have done better. You had two tackles, I believe one quarterback hurry in the game. What was Kansas doing that maybe caused some problems for the defense and, and yourself personally? Yeah, so Kansas is uh, their, their their scheme is really interesting, right? And so they do they do a lot, you know, kind of call it smoke and mirrors, right? Mm-hmm. So they do a lot of misdirection, they try to do a lot of distraction, and then they aren't. Um, it's it's really interesting because it's uh, when when you're looking at their offense and how they play or as a defensive player, what you're looking for is for is keys, right? So your eyes are on your keys. What your keys are is okay. We're looking at the offensive linemen. When the ball is snapped, what are they doing? Are they kick stepping? Are they run blocking? Those are our keys, and so that determines how we react, right? On defense, it's it's all reactive, right? We're reacting off what the offense has given us. We're playing that, and so. The toughest thing is we uh we just we struggled to get those keys. And again, props to props to Kansas. Their scheme is essentially mixing those keys up. Yeah. So we got a lot of really just like run run keys all game, right? So their their pass sets were not true pass sets. It was mm-hmm. they did a lot of RPO and when they were pass setting it, it wasn't an actual pass set. It was run blocking and the quarterbacks throwing it. So, um, again, yeah, their scheme, their scheme's really good in that sense of they throw things at you and it's really difficult to get a read on what they're doing. How, how much more attention do you feel like you're getting? Because, I mean, it feels like every week, you know, coaches are, are mentioning you atop kind of the scouting report when they're sizing up the defense. Are you sensing that in these games where there's a lot of attention being given to you? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Okay. Um, nothing, nothing crazy. I, I would say, you know, um, I don't have two tight ends following me around like Miles Garrett does. You know, I'm <laughs> trying enough. to, I'm trying to get to that level. <laughs> Be working. a good problem to have, right? <laughs> no, that that clip was crazy. Um, <laughs> I would love to be at that level, uh, but no. Um, no, I would. I when you're scouting a team, right? We do the same thing. We look at their, you know, for for a quarterback, right? We say, all right, what type of quarterback is this? What's he doing? How's he doing it? Um, the running backs, offensive linemen, you know, that's just. I would say that's a process of scouting another team. Do you feel like it was a missed opportunity at Kansas that loss? One hundred fifty percent. One hundred fifty percent. I think. Uh, Again, football, it's a fun it's a fun game and we're out there to compete, right? And we what we love is competing, but we also love winning. It feels a lot better to work really hard and compete and win. Um and I I just think we did not well, I know we didn't play to our standard defensively or offensively, right? And so that's that's tough when you when you walk away from a game knowing that you didn't play your best and because of that, you know. You, you you lost the game, and so that that's always that's always a tough pill to swallow. Everyone sees the the dancing from Kalani after a big win. What's he like after a tough loss, though? Like, what is is his demeanor? 
just angry and he's <laughs> chucking stuff at the wall. I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm, I almost laugh saying that cause I just, I feel like that's definitely not the answer, but what is Kalani like after, uh, you know, a, a missed opportunity and a tough setback? I think, I think that's one of the coolest things. Um, and maybe more unique things about Kalani is that he doesn't respond in that way. Mm. Right. Like that's the typical <laughs> head coach, you know, just goes <laughs> ballistic, especially when you know the, we let that one yeah. slip, right? And that was on us. I, I I firmly believe that. Again, props to Kansas for for coming out and playing a good game. But I I, I think that um, you know we could have if had we played our potential, we would have won that game, right? Uh, so I that's what I love about Kalani is he he doesn't do that, right? Um, I would say he just reinforces our culture at every mm. opportunity, right? And so we go in after the game, and then it's not. It's not just, you guys are terrible, you played like crap. I mean, we all know that, right? You know, and it's not like um, that necessarily needs to be repeated over and over and over again. I, I think our guys are very responsible, and, and most importantly, they're all very competitive. As a competitor, you you know, you have that inner... Right, that inner voice, it's like you played like crap. Like you are going to be your harshest critic. And so uh Kalani really he just he just comes in and you know, he says what needs to be said, right? Points out the obvious, but more importantly, he just he goes back to our culture of, hey, this is um the the way the way we handle this is not again, not to freak out, not to go take it out on other people. Um the game's over. Clearly, you know, there's some stuff to learn from that. But pick each other up, rally around each other, and let's, fo- let's focus on getting better, right? Not just kind of going through that process of focusing on all the negatives and just getting down and, and, and uh, you know, maybe comp- compromising team integrity, right? It's just, hey, you know who you are. You guys know what you're capable of. Keep believing in that. We're going to fix some things clearly, and there's plenty of work to be done. But um, like that love and learn, that's really something we live by. And I feel like we've got a really unique experience. I've gotten a really unique experience at BYU being part of the team just with that type of culture, right? That love and learn mentality because that's not that's not common. <laughs> like that's it's really not. It's it's definitely not. Uh, I, I got to imagine it, it's not a very common theme at all. Thing at all in, in college football. You know, I, talking about that, I, I think back to last December. You were at the New Mexico Bowl press conference, and I remember after that presser, I talked with Kalani to the side, and he said he hopes that whatever happens in that bowl game and going into twenty twenty three, that the program is better equipped to handle adversity after a loss, after a setback. There's been a loss, and you've experienced some practices this week, getting ready for a Friday night tilt against Cincinnati. Your sense, being a captain, do you, do you get a good feel that this team is completely putting that loss in the rearview mirror and they're not going to let one loss turn into two? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally I totally feel like that's that's the case. Um, the, guys, the guys know, right? You know, there's a certain um, level that was not met again, and, and this week that has been the focus is – Every single day at practice, we need to we need to practice how we're going to play come Saturday, right? There's been that intensity. There's been that urgency. Um, 
in every single practice, which is which is what we need. And so, um, and guys haven't been hanging their heads. Like that's mm. that's the biggest thing is after a loss, you can't throw a pity party. And sometimes that super harsh, critical environment, you know, maybe overly critical can can put guys down that rabbit hole of just hanging their heads and throwing a pity party. And then that leads into, you know, another, another loss the following week. Cause guys aren't, they're not ready for another game, right? They're still thinking about the loss. And, and so you've got to like that, especially on a short week like this, that game was pretty much packed up. Yeah. Post game, like by, by Saturday night, I'll admit you're probably thinking, Mitch, let's get on with it. Let's yeah. move on to Cincinnati. I'm sick and tired of talking about this. This was a lifetime ago. Yeah. No, no, but really, yeah, that's, that's, that is the mentality yeah. is Saturday night. It's packed up. And so, you know, Sunday, uh, we have our day off and kind of, you know, kind of a prep day to start getting ready for Cincinnati. And then boom, yeah, Monday we come in and it's Cincy, Cincy, Cincy the rest of the week. So how following up on that, how has the week changed? I mean, Friday night games are nothing new to BYU. You've done it a lot in your time here at BYU, but what changes, I mean, is, is there two practices in one day? Like just what's maybe the biggest change in the week for, for a shorter week? Yeah, no. So normally Mondays are just kind of our lift conditioning meetings, kind of get the body back a little bit. Um, our, our hardest lift of the week normally is mm. Monday. It's funny. I say get the body back, but yeah, we come in Monday and we, and we have our hardest lift of the week. Um, but, uh, then normally we'll practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then, you know, take Friday off and be ready for the game Saturday. So all that's pretty much pushed back a day. So Monday we came in, we still lifted, but then it was meetings, practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we're off, you know, not off, but we're pretty much trying to rest up Thursday to be ready Friday. How's the, you bring up the lifting sessions, uh, how's, is there been any differences between strength staff with this group and the previous regime? I mean, not to compare, but just any sort of approach or style to the weight room that's been noticeable from your perspective. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, absolutely. They've done a lot of um, just maybe more strategic planning when it came to that. Before, we would lift every day, all season long. Mm. So it was... It was really, you know, we'd take the day off, you know, the day before off. But so with the old strength staff, yeah, we'd lift pretty much every single day with the new with the new strength staff. We have a lot more tools and they've brought in a lot more tools to kind of measure where guys are at, right? Mm. So when we're talking about just overall nervous system fatigue, muscle fatigue, they track, you know, what we're doing out on the field, they track what we're doing in the weight room. And so it's a lot more um intentional maybe about the load that we're putting on the body and when we need to back off. And so um, there's, there's, there's been quite a few changes, but I would say that's the biggest thing is, is when we're training, how we're training, the volume of it, everything is, is really dialed in is, is super dialed in. And, and that's super cool um, to, to see and to be a part of as well. And it's cool to get a different perspective on, uh, you know, training in season. Do they have, 
and, and you don't have to disclose the number because it's it's your deal. But do they have like a, a specific snap count in mind for you? Like, hey, any if you play if you keep your snaps to this number, you're gonna most likely stay healthy. Or do, do they even forecast things like that? Or, or is that or is it? I guess what I'm getting at is like, do they kind of ballpark in order for you to stay healthy and be able to play full, through a full 12 game season? Do they kind of estimate like the number of snaps that that will keep you at peak performance? Um, I think the coaches, right, the position they coaches, yeah. they kind of in the back of their mind have that. Um, sometimes, most of the time, <clears throat> I would say that goes out the window. Well, I'm sure you probably like, just keep me on the field. Like, I'm yeah. sure you, you know, there's no point you want to get off the field in that Kansas game. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how it goes down. Like, I'll come off for a play or two, catch my breath, <clears throat> and then I'm back out there. And and I like it that way. Again, yeah. I love just I love going, going, going. I miss honestly playing both ways. You know, from high school because it keeps <laughs> you, it just keeps you more engaged in the game. You know what I mean? We're gonna make you BYU's Travis Hunter. Uh, hey, I've just been... every snap, you talking the smack, sending texts to Kalani. I gotta play this week. <laughs> that would that would be wild. I don't honestly for guys that play both, like Travis Hunter, yeah. play both way in college. That's yeah, that's unreal. I, it does. It takes a huge huge toll on your body. You know what I mean? There's been games where. I've played 80-plus defensive snaps. That's not even including, like, special teams or anything like that. Um, Arizona of 21, mm-hmm. that was a game. They went hurry up on us. Oh, yeah. And by right. halftime, my legs felt like jello. Like, they were <laughs> absolutely gone. I'm dropping into coverage. I'm rushing the passer, and I just felt hmm. like, like I was in sand. Like, it was it was. It was off. It was terrible. I got in at halftime, and I was like, what the heck, why? And wow. then looking on the plane home, counting my snaps, I was like, oh, that's why. Normally in a game, you'll take 50 snaps, 40 to 50 snaps in an average game. I think this past game against Kansas, there were 50 or 60 defensive snaps that we took. So to play, you know, maybe twice that, you know, 80, once you get up there, it's like, all right, that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of snaps. That it is. Talking with Tyler Batty, of course, every single week here on Cougar Tracks. And he noted the Arizona game in 2021. That game, they were donning the Royal Rush jerseys. They'll be wearing those again. I Look, fans, I know you're complaining, a few of you. I disagree. I like the Royal Rush look. I think it's a, I think it's a sharp look. I know Tyler's not the uniform guy. He just He's wearing what he's got to wear. But I do got to ask you, as far as the aesthetic goes, Eye black. Any any sort of method to what what spots you choose for the eye black? Because you've had some some different looks. I think the Independence Bowl a few years back, you had a strong look. I mean, is there any thought behind the eye black? Because that Kansas game too, there was there's a lot of eye black there. You're like John Randall out there. There was. Um, honestly, it just depends game to game. Most of the time, I'm just the classic, you know, underneath yeah. the eye, nothing crazy. And then, yeah, there's certain games where I've I've just switched it up, and now I feel like you know I kind of <laughs> have to you know maybe keep that up occasionally. Um, but there's no yeah no crazy thought. It's just it's really just kind of random. Again, I think people like myself they they th- I'm always thinking in my head, oh, there must be some meaning behind everything. Sometimes <laughs> I just need to realize that sometimes just hey, it, it feels good, looks good. It's it's it, there's not too much thought to it. Uh, but there's got to be a lot of thought, I would imagine, going into Friday night, big game. First Big 12 home game for the Cougars. 8-15 kick against the Cincinnati Bearcats. It's going to be a sold-out crowd, rocking atmosphere. What are you expecting from this matchup? Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it is going to be – the energy in Lavelle is going to be huge. It's <clears> – <throat> I'm, I'm super stoked about that. 
first Big 12 game at home. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Cincy, they're a really good team. Um, good offense, really good defense. And so <clears throat> I'm I'm excited to go out. I, you know, I wouldn't mind if it was a defensive game. You know, sure. That. For me, I, that's fun. I, know, I know the fans get really bored. I know, honestly, I had some after after week one versus Sam Houston. I had a lot of people that were like, "Man, that was like that was such a bad game." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, you don't realize like that's the game I've dreamed about my entire time at BYU <laughs> is getting a shutout versus a team, and it's never happened." And I, I can't I can't remember the stat last time it was ha- happened, but 2014, 2014, yeah, mm-hmm. that we got a shutout. And so for me, I was like, "Heck yeah!" Like that's <laughs> that's what I've been wanting forever is to shut someone out. And I had so many people just be like. Oh, that was such an awful game. And I was just like, gosh. So I get it. The fans maybe don't like the defensively dominated games. They want to see points on the board. I'm happy if it's our offense putting the points on sure. the board. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for our defense this week to come out with kind of that renewed energy and get after it. Well, and I think to your point about a defensive battle, I, I think that Sam Houston game, I think a lot of fans, I think, and we've talked about before, they were just judging based on the logo on the helmet. This Bearcats team, Cincinnati, I think you just get a win. Whatever it takes, whether it's, you know, 40 to 38, uh, 14-12, whatever it's got to be, it's got to just be a win because the last thing you want to do is get to 0-2 in Big 12 play. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> I think I think at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing. A lot of our wins, I don't remember the score. Yeah. Or, or our losses, right? You as a player kind of measure the feel of the game and where you feel like you were at. And so there's a lot of times I go back and I, like, look at the wins that we had, and I'm like, oh, whoa, that game was way closer than I thought it mm. was. You know, we won by three points. or We won by seven points or, like, ten points. Where to me, I was like, oh, I, I could have sworn we had, like, a three-touchdown lead when we finished <laughs> that game. You know, um, but a lot of time it's a lot tighter. And at the end of the day, a win is a win. Yeah. Is a win. And I think... More than ever, too, because in this Big 12, the margins are so thin. I feel like this is one of the the deepest leagues in terms of just anyone on any Saturday could honestly be a threat. I mean, if Oklahoma State's considered maybe the last place team right now, I think that speaks to the quality of the depth in, the, in this conference, that there's really just good football all around. And I think Cincinnati... Uh, intriguing team. Uh, defensively, you're not going to face them, but I mean, they, they got a good defense in their own right. The offense, Emory Jones, another dual threat quarterback. Any similarities between him and Jalen Daniels at all from what you can kind of yeah, gauge? Absolutely. Um, both dangerous with their legs, really dangerous with their legs. And so that's going to be uh, another challenge for us this week <clears throat> is making sure that we can contain him. We can bring him down when he does break the pocket. Um, Again, a lot, a lot of, a lot of similar, a lot of similar factors. With with this matchup between BYU and Cincinnati again, kickoff at eight fifteen. We'll get the pregame started at six o'clock on KSL News Radio. Myself and Matt Biamonte. Uh, it'll be, it'll be, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. I'm curious, how has uh, you know Jay Hill been this week? What's any different approach from him coming off a loss? Has he been a little more? edgy, a little bit more antsy. I mean, he's 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 a bottom-line results-driven guy no matter what, but has he been different at all from coming off a loss in your in your viewpoint? No, uh, he, he really hasn't. And I think I, I love that about our defensive staff is 
win or lose, they come out with the same energy every week. Mm. It's it's consistent, high energy again, high expectations. Um, and so it, it comes back to that idea of just trusting the process. There's there's we're not we weren't doing anything wrong necessarily per se, right? Um, as a defense, f- uh, philosophically, right? Our preparation; those are the things that you need to trust in, right? Mm. So, you know, maybe maybe there's been a little bit more emphasis again on the details, right? And of course, we went over the negatives from the Kansas game, you know, and said, "Hey, this is the stuff that we have to improve. We've got to go up from here on that stuff." But I, I think that's one of the most important things: is you got to stay consistent. You don't want ups and downs, ebbs and flows like that. That can really mess you up. And I think our coaches do a phenomenal job at just keeping it steady. It's 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 not down here steady. It's up here steady. Mm. But um, it's it's really important that they do that because the guys on the team see that, and it just builds confidence and trust with the team, with the coaches. That yeah, we are who we think we are. This is our identity. Believe in it. Trust it. And then when the game comes, go perform at that level. A third of the season's already done, Tyler. I'm, I'm curious. Don't say that. Mitch. I know it's Don't it's, say that, Mitch. it's crazy. It's flying by. I'm curious from as a from the players' point of view. Have you noticed any sort of feeling that the games have been maybe quicker with the new clock rolls? And I ask that because you know, has it felt different at all? Like the flow of the game have they been faster paced in your opinion with these new clock rolls? The Kansas or, Kansas game flew by. That one felt <laughs> like it did go. Arkansas first quarter that was the longest first quarter in the history of college football. Yeah, I felt like. Yeah. But outside of that, that that Kansas guy. That's why I kind of asked it because that Kansas game felt fast. Yeah, and honestly, our offense was on the field more. Yeah. You know, I think that maybe some of our past games, you know, where we were just the defense was just we were just constantly out there, and so I think that also contributed to it. But sitting on the sideline and being like, all right. There's like five minutes have passed and we're not like five minutes of game time has yep. passed and we're not out on the field. This is weird. And I think we only ended in the first quarter. I think we were on the defense was only out on the field twice mm-hmm. in the first quarter. That was super weird <laughs> Yeah, to only like go out, you know, for two series where, yeah, again, Arkansas was we were out there a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. So, that was the longest quarter ever. Yeah. You know, and let me ask you too, because part of that, why you guys weren't on the field that first quarter. There, there was obviously that scoop and score. Parker coughed it up, and it was hard hit by Kobe Bryant. Again, that was weird. I, my kids here. We'll get to them in a second. But, uh, <laughs> that was a hard hit. But does the defense tell the offense, hey, no worries. Like, yeah, it's just like, hey, move on. We're not worrying about it. Yeah. We might be in a hole, but we got to still keep moving on. Yeah, it's got to be next play mentality, right? Bottom line, no matter what happens, again, we really got to stop, you know, doing this. The whole put ourselves in a hole and yeah. you know try to <laughs> try to come back out of the it. other team in the hole. Tyler, yeah, let's that's, go get that pick six. Go get a scoop hey, and score. Hey, watch, watch for it. Watch for it this weekend. Watch for it this weekend. Um, but no, really, uh, it's just next play mentality, yeah. and the offense knows that we trust them. They trust us. Um, you know, there, there, there's just a moment there on the sideline we're talking with them, and it's and that's and that's what's being said is, hey, we trust you guys. Go march the field, go score. Did you? This is again. You're not going to face him because he's the defensive lineman for Cincinnati. But I asked this because he was at Big Twelve Media Day. Dante Corleone. 
He's a big dude, isn't he? Did you cross paths with him I at all? I don't know the if God, I did. The Godfather? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I did. He, maybe he was day two of Big 12 Media Day, but that dude was huge. Like, is, is there and, – and I was thinking to myself, who's, like, the biggest, like, football player you've maybe gone up against or that you're just like – you're a big guy in your own right, too. But, I mean, like, has there ever been someone you go, holy cow, that, that guy is massive? Kyrus Tonga. There you go. Wow, that's a good, yeah, one. That's a good one. That's that's really like. What was he? Six? He was like six five, yeah, three twenty five, three three eighty. <laughs> Dude, Kyrus. I th- I think there were some points that yeah he was advertised at like three twenty. Dude was like three sixty. Yeah, like he was huge. He was a fridge, a he, massive fridge. I remember when he rolled in. You were on your mission. It was twenty seventeen, and the people around the program was like week two of fall camp. And they're like, hey, the, the, the next great uh, D lineman's joining the team next week. And I'm thinking, what? Because I thought, I thought Kyrus was gray shirting. So I was yeah. like, and then you're, you're already on the mission. And I'm thinking, and then he rolls in, like the first practice of fall camp, he's making plays. It's like, this guy's fresh off a mission in Kansas, oddly enough. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Kyrus was massive. He's yeah. still with the Vikings, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, believe still, doing, so. still doing his thing there. Do you ever. Touch base with some of those guys that oh, yeah. defensive guys that are yeah. still in the league and I doing their thing. Yeah, again, when I came as a freshman, yeah, I looked up to a ton of those dudes, and yeah. I was just, yeah, dude. And so, yeah, Kyrus, he was he, he was awesome to me when I when I came in. Like he was, he was he was super cool and just kind of took me under his wing, and you know. And anyways, so I've got I've got a lot of respect for Kyrus, and yeah, I, I love our I love I love I love being able to do that too, like reaching out, just like the team culture and keep team chemistry that we had. Being able to reach out to those dudes and say what's up, and and you know, like when we went out, we we're in Kansas, and Matt came to the hotel mm-hmm. with his family, and just like seeing Matt, I freaking love Matt. Just seeing those guys, and just you know, every once in a while is super cool. That is pretty neat, and I think it's one of the the cool things about the BYU football program is is the family component and. I got to say, I do have. Speaking of family, shameless uh, plug. I, I got fam- <laughs> I got family here in the studio today. Uh, this today because it's a different short. It's it, Tyler. Tyler greenlighted this too. Said it's, it's Tyler's show. But my kids, uh, my boys, Max and Lincoln, are here this week, and they did want to ask you a question, Tyler. So I'll let Lincoln ask. I don't know what he's going to ask, Lincoln. The floor is yours, my son, Lincoln, who just turned eight. He is a massive BYU fan. Let me tell you too. He watches every YouTube video presser. He watches those closer than any media member, probably. And he'll say, Dad, why do you ask about Tyler? Dad, why do you do this? Uh, diehard fan, this kid, Lincoln Harper. Uh, so, Lincoln, the floor is yours. What do you got? What question do you got for, for Tyler? I started playing golf this year. And oh. are you good at golf? Oh, I didn't that's expect a, this. Okay, Lincoln, that's a great question. <laughs> we, should, we should go golf together because we're probably. I I I hope I'm as good as you. That's that that should tell you where my golf game's at. It needs it needs work. It needs work. Are you much of a golfer? That's a good question, Lincoln. Are are you, are you much of a golfer? At I all? I do have a set of clubs. Yeah, that's that's um, the extent. And I can swing them really hard. Hey, you know but. what? I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. But uh, our friend Keaton, he he saw me golf, and it was it was a mess. I, I got it. Luckily, it was best ball or it was a scramble. And uh, it did have to resort to all my shots, but yeah, I, I'm not the greatest at, golfer. I'm trying to get better. The, at the media day scramble, I did have 
what hole was that? The longest drive. Oh yeah, I did have I did have the longest drive at the media day scramble. I will say that Keaton says he took he took it from me. I I think <laughs> I think he was on like his sixth ball, so it doesn't count. Slovis, uh, Cody Epps, they're pretty good golfers. At least Cody's trying to take to it. Uh, he's gotten a lot they better are. since. It, but uh, Keaton. He's doing a lot of Park City golfing. It seems like quarterbacks are always good at yeah. golf. My oldest son, Max, he's also a diehard Cougar fan. Loves the Cougs, loves the Lakers. Good kid, 10 years old. Max, you got a question for Tyler as well. What are your like favorite jerseys to wear? Ooh, that's, a, that's another uh, really good uh, question. Well, kid to my heart, he, he loves the uniforms <laughs> as well. What would you say, Tyler? Max, um, my favorite are, are all white. With the royal highlights. Ooh, what's your favorite? My, what's your favorite, my Max? favorite? I like the, uh, yeah, the dark blue ones. Navy? The navy ones. The navy ones, yeah. All navy, just the top, just the bottoms. Uh, uh, navy, navy, navy white. Yeah. Or white, navy white. Navy, navy white. Navy, navy white. That's a good look. Look at look he's, at Max. He's got it down. Going with the the navy blue. Well, good stuff, guys, and good stuff, Tyler. Appreciate you doing that. Well done. Well done, Max. Well done, Lincoln. Those, those were those were good questions, guys. <laughs> hey, I appreciate all of you listening to the show every single week. Here, we've been having a lot of fun. We'll be back next week for a, for a bye week. Maybe we'll make it make, make it easy, a little abbreviated one, so Tyler can enjoy the bye week. But <laughs> it's been a fun uh, fun go, and best of luck on Friday night. Sweet, thanks, Mitch. All right, that's Tyler Batty here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, and it's always powered every single week. KSLSports.com. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.